0: So I was thinking this week about um, school has started back. I was thinking this week about how long summer used to be when we were kids. Remember June, July, August, and you went back after Labor Day. Um, Summers were so long back in the day. Um, And I was just remembering what it was like... um, when those days lasted till like nine o'clock at night when when it was like dark. And if you played supper right, and you just really wolfed it down quickly, you still had a couple of hours of daylight to play with the other neighborhood kids before someone yelled and you had to come in. It seemed like there were 20 hours of daylight when you were a kid. And so there was always this thing where after supper you would go outside and just kind of wander around, at least in my neighborhood, and just kind of wait for the slow trickle of kids. Now my neighborhood was kind of magical and different. There was an entire street of houses all built at the same time, and young families all moved in together. I believe there were something like 30 kids all at once in this neighborhood. Always someone to play with. Um, So tons of kids. We had a million different games. We all still talk on Facebook, all these kids who grew up together. Like someday, there are actually some parents who still live on that street and someday we're just all going to get together and play a game of kick the can. Only we're all going to be like struggling to get to the can. So nobody will ever win that game. Um, But I remember one night coming out after supper, everybody gathered and we decided that night's game was going to be hide and seek, so you get the hider, you get the hiders, you get the seeker, and um, I, I found the, the perfect hiding place that nobody had ever picked this, um, and, and when you play over like seven or eight yards, there's like so many places to hide, and we had creeks and woods and cows and all that stuff, so anyway, um, there, there was a house that a guy had on his carport, a bass boat, so I climbed up in the bass boat, and then I went under the little shroud thing there where the steering wheel is. You call it a steering wheel on a boat, right? Okay, it's a steering wheel. And I and I climbed up under there, and then I got some life jackets, and I, I covered myself up, and I was just curled up in a teeny, disquenched, like I'm never going to be able to last under here. And then I heard you know, people being found all around me, and oh man, they're never gonna find me in here. I have chosen the best hiding place ever. And two problems happened that night. I still remember this so vividly. Um, Number one, I hid too well. Number two, I fell asleep in my neighbor's bass boat. Um, (laughs) They never found me, and it got dark, and they all just went home. And I remember very well um, waking up, getting climbing out, stretching out, and it was pitch dark. There's nobody outside. And I'm in someone else's bass boat on their carport after dark, wondering, why didn't some what happened? Why am I here? So Let me give you some tips for hide and seek. Um, It's much more fun if the seekers keep seeking and don't just go home and give up because they assumed that I'd probably quit and gone home, so they did too. Nope, I was asleep in a bass boat. Um, Number two, um, it's much more fun if the hidden one is awake and findable. Um, It is fun to hear your friends yell, we give up, come out, and then you get to make your grand entrance like, look at me you couldn't find me nope my grand entrance was waking up in the dark and no one around um and the other tip of strategy was the process of elimination like oh he would never hide there he hides there all the time no he would never no i'm not going to bother looking there it's kind of like this you, you find out all the places someone wouldn't hide and then you look in the places they would. Just nobody ever thought to look under the steering wheel of a bass boat. So this morning, um, we're in Isaiah 55, and there's a promise here to seekers. And last week in Isaiah 55, just this, this most personal experiential of chapters, come to me, drink, eat, find satisfaction for your soul in things that money can't buy. And today, seek... Seek and you'll find, but there's a process of elimination. Um, God can be found because God Himself is a seeker. God wants to be found, but sometimes we ourselves need a little house cleaning, if you will, a little eliminating of all the places we've been looking where he is not. Now, Isaiah, I talked about this last week, is is ministering to Judah, Jerusalem. Um, What was left of the tribes after the northern part was defeated, taken to Assyria, scattered. By Isaiah's time, Babylon had taken over Assyria, and they were just kind of going nation by nation, defeating everybody. And now Babylon is bearing down on Judah like a freight train. There's no stopping them, and it's God's judgment to them. And he says, I'm sending judgment to a people who are not seeking me. Now this word seeking... Most of the time is translated one of two different ways. Um, Sometimes, most of the time, it's translated seek, and oftentimes it's followed by your face, Psalm 27. My heart said, seek your face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Um, Your dad comes home from a business trip. What did you do when you were a kid? You said, what did you bring me, dad? (laughs) Dad. right? You weren't worried about dad's face. You were worried about what he had in his luggage or in his pockets. Um, Then you kind of get older and you go, so I just want to see the person, just their face, right? And over and over and over again, this is this line, seek your face. It's the smile of God, the favor of God, the goodness, the gladness, the mercy, the love of God in his face. And we're, we're seeking after that. We're going for that. We're looking for that face but the other 40 something times it's translated inquire like going to God to ask for his wisdom going to God to ask for his directions how do I do this what's the best path forward here so we can already see um, we, we've touched on a bit of a nerve and, and why I started our service today just with confessing because oftentimes we just kind of go through life bullet in a china shop and just trying to get stuff from God and maybe not just saying, how about your face, just your face and I could really use some wisdom and direction and in the history of Israel, I want to do a little historical thing here to see how did Israel get here and I'm going to have to do this quickly but there's a lot um, but, but I want to show how this all got set up in the first place with Israel coming out, the Jews coming out of Egypt um, and heading towards the land of milk and honey, the promised land. And Moses has them, and we have the book of Deuteronomy, which means second law. It's, it's Moses kind of teaching through the law. But at the very beginning of Deuteronomy um, Moses sets up for the people these, these two ways that they can go. Um, there's the seeking after God, the inquiring after God way, and the not seeking after God, the not inquiring after God way. And, and, in, and in chapter 4 and other, several other chapters, he says there's a way of curse and there's a way of blessing. And I'm setting these ways before you today. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4, you see I, Moses is saying, listen, I've told you, And I've taught you all of the decrees, all of the things that God commanded me that you're going to need to follow when you go into this land. And, And he says, and this is what I talked about last week, if you observe them carefully, this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other great nation is so great as to have their gods near to them the way the Lord our God is near to us whenever we pray to him? What other nation has such good laws and decrees? That's what we saw last week. It was never meant to just be about Israel. Other nations were to look upon Israel to see them inquiring of God, to see them seeking after the face of God, and go, Wow, their God is right there with them, and he's given them an incredible way to live. We want to be like them. And so Moses told them, You're going to have to be very, very careful to teach this to your kids and your grandkids. You're gonna have to watch yourselves carefully because you will forget and you will drift away. So you're constantly gonna have to be reminding yourself, pulling back, pulling back, seeking me, inquiring after me because no one drifts towards God, right? You don't just, just happen to drift towards God. No, you drift away from God, so we have to be diligent, he told Israel to stay stay close and seek him and inquire of him. He said, because all the nations around you, they're worshiping what they see in the sky, they're worshiping what they see on the ground, they're making idols, their God is manageable, he's right there, they can see him and touch him and even carry him around under their arm possibly, and you're gonna wanna become like that. So if you don't, Continue to diligently teach your kids and your grandkids. You're going to drift away from seeking me. And he says, and when that happens, you'll be destroyed. And when that happens, you'll be scattered among all the nations. And when you get there, you're going to find yourselves in the midst of an idol-worshipping people. And it's not going to be good. But then there's this line in Deuteronomy 4 verse 20. But but if from there, in other words, scattered among the nations, taken captive because you didn't seek me, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart. Isn't that amazing? Before they ever get to the promised land, God is saying when you get there, it could go very badly or it could go very well. And, and when you read Deuteronomy, he keeps talking about the, how stiff-necked they are and stubborn they are and the, kind of the drifting nature of their hearts. You're prone to wonder. And, it's, and the Lord knew ahead of time what was going to happen. But he even tells them when you become idolaters, when you s- stop seeking me, when you stop inquiring of me, and when you end up scattered, even there if you seek me, you'll find me. Imagine knowing ahead of time that your kid was just going to completely rebel, completely go an opposite direction, and imagine knowing that ahead of time and imagine saying in advance, you, you, you can come back any It's going to happen, but I just want you to know I'm here. That's what God said ahead of time. And as you go through the different chronicles, the Samuels, the the Kings, the Chronicles, you just see this happening over and over and over again. Sometimes the king is seeking the face of God. Sometimes the king is inquiring after the Lord and things go really, really well. And sometimes it's downhill fast. And it's not just the kings. We tend to think of the kings, but it's, of, it's oftentimes the priests. The priest will stop seeking the Lord and stop seeking the face of God and stop inquiring after him. There's so many different examples. Um, there's the example in 1 Chronicles 15 when David says, It's time to move the ark. The ark, we're going to spruce this thing up. We're moving the ark. And um, how, oh, how hard can it be to move the ark? Child's play. We've moved stuff bigger than this. Just get an ox with a cart. We'll put it on the cart. We'll take it up. You know what happened. It tips over. God touches it. Died die, death. It's a bad scene. Um, and so David says, um, we we need to start all over for this. Um, David goes and finds the Levites. And he says to the Levites, um, okay, Consecrate yourselves to bring up the ark of the Lord to the place we prepared for it. (laughs) He says, because the first time we did not inquire of the Lord how to do it in the prescribed way. Inquire, there's our word. We just thought... How hard can it be to move an ark? We never even stopped to ask if there was a way God told us to move the ark. And it was a disaster. And Moses says, maybe, or David says, maybe we should ask this time. And the Levites go, oh yeah, there's these poles that go in the side and we do it like this. And everything goes much better. Right? And then when he's appointing, the, the, the priests are getting all in place and David gives, this is an amazing thing, he he says he, he appoints Asaph and his associates to give praise to the Lord. It says, and this is how you do it. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. And it says, and look to the Lord in his strength and seek his face always. And when you go back... Through the Chronicles, you go back and forth. Good king, bad king, good king, bad king, bad king, bad king, good king, good priest, bad priest. And there's one line that always stands out. They did not seek the Lord. They did not inquire of the Lord. Or he sought the Lord all of his days. And by the time we get to Isaiah, the roller coaster has gone downhill and it is not going back uphill. Judgment is coming. Babylon is bearing down on them. And he's saying exactly what he said in Deuteronomy Seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways, the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them, and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. While he may be found, are there times when he can't be found? Like you're gonna go seeking after the Lord and he's just nowhere? There's times when he's not near. I thought he was omnipresent. I thought he was completely present in all places at all times, equally as much there as he is here. As a matter of fact, you might have a Bible translation with you that brings out verse 6, seek the Lord, and, and it's kind of the idea given of him allowing himself to be found. Whew that's the net Bible, while he allows himself to be found. There's this this kind of force to the verb of, of God making himself known. Judgment is coming. Pardon is still available. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Isn't it amazing? Because this is, This is this, remember, we saw this. Isaiah told the people, the Lord had said, tell the people, don't pray for judgment not to happen because judgment's happening. I'm not gonna avert the judgment, but I will still be available to pardon, to have a relationship. You can still seek my face. But there's a process of elimination. (laughs) The process of elimination. You need to forsake your wicked ways your unrighteous thoughts, and the word thoughts there is is kind of the idea of planning. So these wicked people have their, their ways of doing things, their way of living. These unrighteous people are making unrighteous plans. In other words, these people are not only not seeking the face of the Lord. They're not even including him in their plans. They're not even inquiring if there's a better way to go. And he says, those people, those people, which had been pretty much become everybody, but those people, if they will turn to the Lord, I'll have mercy. I will freely, abundantly pardon. I'll have mercy. Even when they're off and gone, do you remember the famous verses in Jeremiah 29 where he says, When 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to get you and bring you back. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you so there's this this balance here of seek him while he's near seek him while he's close by and he can be found and the freeness of his mercy and his pardon you see I I believe on, on the while he may be found um I think seek the Lord while he may be found is as much or more on my side in my desire to find. Right? Like a willingness to seek the day of his favor. um, I often think of, if you've read uh, Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace?, he tells a story of, of a close friend coming to him and the friend telling him, um, I'm, I'm leaving my wife, I'm leaving my family, I have found another woman. And as Yancey's talking to him, the, the man makes the statement, well, God will still be merciful, right? God will still be gracious, right? God will forgive. God will forgive. So here's a man making a plan expecting grace and forgiveness and abundant pardon on the other side of the plan, <laughs> a bad plan, an evil plan. And Yancy says to his friend, he says, oh, God will be gracious. It's only a question of if you will want his grace. It's only a question of if you will want him to abundantly pardon when you get to the other side. And he said, and sure enough, he made the decision and when he got to the other side, he just forgot about the grace of God. Right? So, while he may be found, may be as much about what's going on in the heart of the seeker, right? Because if you're wondering today, um, well, can I still find him? If that's bouncing around in your head, well, the answer is yes. The fact that you're still asking the question, I would say the answer is yes. I would say as long as communion exists, abundant pardon is yours forgiveness and grace is yours as long as we're remembering the body and blood of jesus right so there are the big moments in life where it's like i desperately need for this big decision i desperately need in this gigantic straying i've gone way over into babylon i desperately need in this big moment to seek the face of the lord to inquire after god but i think more often than not, there's just kind of these little moments that we miss, at least I do, right? Um, moments where the Lord was seeking, and, and, and I was to seek and return, and that moment was there, and I was just like too busy, and I had places to be, and things to do, and people to see, and, and it's like the moment was missed. You've had those, right? I am... Um, when I think about this, I always think about this, um, this gentleman in in our, the first church I bastard way out in the countryside in North Carolina. He was, um, he had been a mechanic and a farmer all his life, and he had retired and was just a farmer. His name was O.L., and he was just a, a giant of a saint, um, just a wonderful, wonderful godly man, and, um, he just had those giant farmer hands when he would shake your hand, but so tenderhearted, so tenderhearted, and uh, he had a speech impediment. Um, he was in his he was in his 70s, and he had a speech impediment. He always called me Puitja. Um and I remember one time after a sermon, he was we were talking, and just with tears in his eyes, just so tenderhearted, he he said, um, "You know, Puicha, sometimes I'm out on my twacta, and I know it's I know I need to play. And I also know that if I put it off to later, I won't play. So I just kind of play right there on my tractor. <laughs> and so I'll just drive on my tractor, and I'll just play and talk to the Lord. <laughs> oh, I love that man. Can't wait to see him again. Um, I just, I know that there are just kind of these seek the Lord moments where stop and give him praise, stop and tell him thanks, um, I'm worrying about something, and it's like the Lord is like, hey, what if what if we take that thing you're worrying about, and we just turn that into a prayer, turn that into a thanksgiving? What if we just had a moment, five minutes, two minutes, what if we just had a moment where you just kind of stopped and said, I, Lord, I'm going to inquire of you. I'm going to look for your wisdom. I'm going to ask you, it should, it, am I doing this right? Right, so I'd, I'd, it seems like so momentous, but I think sometimes it's just daily moments of favor. Daily moments of, Lord, just your face, I'm going to see you smile. And I think we all play kind of a role in this. Uh, exhort one another as long as it's called today, right? We can't say, well, I'll exhort you tomorrow. No, today, today, today's the moment of favor. Um, so here's what I want to do. I want to read a few verses about seeking, and I want us to take those verses into communion together. Um, they're all from the Psalms, and I believe if, if, if communion will be f- for us together, a moment of confession, a moment of talking to the Lord, a moment of seeking the Lord and inquiring of Him, uh, communion's a great place for it. Um, maybe these Psalms would be um, good fuel for that. Um, let me read Psalm 9, verse 10. You remember this from back when we were doing the names of God. Those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. You've not forsaken those who seek you. For those who come to communion this morning feeling maybe a bit of... Um, like I sought the Lord and he forsook me? Like I thought I was doing everything right and he'd vanished? God's word is, no, he didn't. He's right here. Psalm 34.4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. So if communion is something you come to today with just a fear bouncing around in your heart, it's a good time to seek the Lord. Psalm 77 too. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. So maybe you're in a place where it just feels like an extended time of just trouble and tiredness where not just your body but your soul is tired. Today is a day to seek the Lord. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. That's Psalm 119. Psalm 105. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. 2 Corinthians 6. In the time of my favor I heard you. In the day of salvation I helped you. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So Paul telling the Corinthians, if you're wondering when the day of salvation is, It's today. You're wondering when to seek the seek of favor is now. But let's flip this around one last time before we get into this. Psalm 119 174 176 I long for your salvation, Lord, and your law gives me delight. Let me live that I may praise you, and may your law sustain me. Now listen to this. I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. So if you're feeling as if this morning that you're like a sheep that has wandered away, maybe you just need to cry out, Lord, will you seek me right now? Will you put me on your shoulders and carry me back? Seek your servant. Let me dismiss this in prayer before we go you join me one last time this morning. Lord, um, I know you gave word through Moses to the people in Israel. Just remind your kids, remind your grandkids. And Lord, it amazes me that you gave us communion, that you gave us this tangible reminder of the marvelous wonderful love of the Savior. Lord, no one in this room beyond the reach of that love this morning. Love is high and wide and long and deep. There is no greater love than this moment. And communion tells us that you have sought us. You have sought us. And our hearts are open To being found, and I pray, God, that as we leave here today, our hearts would be open to seeking. I pray that there would be moments, many, many moments this week, Lord, where we would seek and find, see in Your face mercy and gladness and joy and grace and love. I pray there be moments this, this week where we inquire and find wisdom and direction from our shepherd. We love you, Lord. We thank you that those who seek you find you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, y'all. Have a great week. Thank you.